G'day punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50, our grand final edition. And Jimmy Vartel and Shane Crawford, if you listen to them throughout the course of the year, you would be cashed up because all of them, all season, have tipped this to be the grand final, Richmond and Geelong. So we'll start by patting you both on the back. Shane Crawford, especially you, because both these teams lost week one of the finals and you were not worried. You said stick with them and it turned out to be the case. Well, they're just great teams. And, um, you know, I just knew that their first games in the final, Brisbane, Port Adelaide at home, home ground advantage, it was tough, you know, yet these two sides are are great sides, very well organised. Yes, Richmond, chaotic in the way that they play, but there is a real system to the way that they do that. And then Geelong, who are so well drilled. So um, it's been a fascinating final series. Um, If you've been able to stand there and clearly go, this is who's going to win and this is what's going to happen, good luck. Because, you know, after week one, everything was turned on its head. And then, you know, a few weeks in, you know, I think the the real sides are actually playing in the grand final. And it's, Jimmy, a Herculean effort, really, when you think about it. Get a day or two's notice, pack up, go, move into state to work their way through. There's been a lot of sides that have failed going into the hubs. You know, my old side, the Hawks, really failed when I thought they'd thrive. Geelong and Richmond just look like they belong in a hub. Yeah, uh, and I think you, you touched on it, the systems that they've got. Um, I think both of those sides, uh, Geelong and Richmond, they, they've got clear and defined systems. When, when you watch Geelong and Richmond, you can sort of sit there and get oh, before they start, I know sort of how they're going to play. There might be the odd alteration, but... Richmond is about chaos. Get the ball forward, strong defence. They get up out, out of the back line really well. That forward handball, you know, with those quick forwards. Um, dynamic three forwards, you know, when Dustin Martin goes forward with Lynch and Rewalt. But they don't have to mark it, but they don't get outmarked in the forward line. So it creates chaos. Richmond thrives really well in chaos, that fast ball movement. And they don't need the 300 possessions like other sides to beat you. Richmond can beat you with 200 touches. We've seen games, even finals, where... The highest possession getter on the ground is 19, and they still cut you apart. And Geelong is the same. A player goes out, they plug another one in who plays system. Now, they play with a little bit more control, I think, the Cats. And when that long break of 80-odd days, they had players who were able to get fit again because they had a lot who didn't do a lot of pre-season. But there was a system in place. So when they came back in, everyone knew what they needed to do. They were really experienced. You know, they could all just have players come in and out of the side. Radical Galea comes in and out of the side. You know, different players throughout the year. So um, I think, Shane, what you touch on, that that's probably why we've been so confident is you just clearly know what Geelong and Richmond are going to do. They'll just plug players in and out throughout the season. And Port and Brisbane, fantastic years, but they had the advantage of being at home, in their beds, getting sides off three and four day breaks, flying in and out um, in the same day, which probably overemphasised the home ground advantage as well. But they ran into experienced sides who had a weak to prepare for it and run into it with a bit of form where they would have played, which is always this debate now with the buy before the finals is if you finish in the top four, you win week one, you have another week off, you're only really playing two games in a month. So it does affect a bit of rhythm. Do they want to tinker with that going forward? Is it too much of a disadvantage? I don't think so because I think it brings the whole eight into it and I think they love that. do you that. want that though? Don't you want to reward the teams that finish in the top four and win week one of the finals? Which final have you felt like it was underwhelming? So if you have a look Saturday at... Saturday night. <laughs> Saturday night, but you, you had so, the build Saturday up. night, they were... Um, it was like a rabbit in the headlights. I, I was really disappointed with the Lions because all year, and and we spoke about it, that they just... They pull the trigger and they charge forward. They didn't do that. They, yeah. play, they played a different game style. They were slow. 
we, we, we spoke about you've got to switch the ball against Geelong. You've got to keep the ball moving. Something Geelong does really well. They, they, if they don't have the leg speed in certain areas, they just keep the ball moving. Whereas Brisbane didn't switch the play, even though they'd have their outriders. There was always a Geelong player waiting. But you've got to just go towards them. You've just got to charge um, like a bull going, right, okay, there's the, there's the red rag. I'm going at it. And you just got to try and move the defence. They weren't courageous enough to do that. I think they'll be when they look back at that game, they'll be really kicking themselves because I'd imagine if they had this week a chance to play Geelong after last week, it would be just release the handbrake. Let's just go in our waves and back ourselves in, and that's one thing that was really lacking. And whether or not the two-week period they overthought it, overthought their game plan, the younger players were dreaming about playing in a grand final, winning a grand final. Yeah, it was a really disappointing performance. But in saying that, Geelong were awesome. Geelong were incredible. And if you look between Geelong and Richmond during the finals, which team's in better form? Geelong. They smashed Collingwood. Absolutely smashed Collingwood. They were highly competitive against Port Adelaide, yet they had five or six players down, like really down. And then against Brisbane Lions, they smashed the Brisbane Lions. So... You know, if you look at horse racing, you go, okay, which horse is in the best form? You go, oh, well, it's Geelong. So it's quite easy. Geelong win the grand final if you're looking at the form. But it doesn't always work like that. And I like the way Richmond have been building and grinding away back on a, a really good deck, good weather. It's game on. Game on. It's going to be absolutely superb. And one man that was superb last Saturday night, Gary Ablett Jr. I think he's the biggest talking point. We know how much he's been through in 2020. And it would be an amazing end to an amazing career if he could win that third premiership medallion on Saturday night. You played a lot of footy with him. You know him better than anyone. He would have had so many excuses in life to go down a different path, but he went down the footy path. He's one of the best players we've seen. He's been a champion on and off the field. What's your relationship like with him and what would it be like to see him win that premiership again on Saturday night? Oh, I'd be incredibly happy for the little bald master uh, there. He's done everything in the game. And... You've, you run out of words to describe uh, how great he's been because he has actually done everything possible. He, you know, even part of a franchise, new club, tried to you know make something up there, Gold Coast, come back to the Cats. But his his standard that he just holds throughout the entirety of his career has been extraordinary. Like it is just ridiculous how good. And I think towards the back end of it, his career, when players get that good, people focus on what they can't do. Two years ago, oh, Gary doesn't tackle enough. So, is that what you're focusing on? Have you had a look at the other 10 things he does brilliantly in, in the game? He was absolutely superb uh, on preliminary final. He's just smarter. He was playing on Daniel Rich, who was trying to get up and get his own kicks. But as soon as Rich got to a spot, that goal where he kicked out of the, the centre bounce, he just caught Daniel Rich ball watching, you know, which means, you know, just watching the game unfold. And he just, whoop, out the side door I go. And he's still got the penetration and he's kicking, the smarts. And he's probably still the best player. You want to have ball in hand kicking inside forward 50 because he just understands where everyone's moving, doesn't overkick the footy. If you're a forward, you just love leading to him because he just puts it out nicely. The defender has no chance. The defender's just got to hope you drop it. I reckon with um, Daniel Rich playing on him, you know that Daniel Rich, they want to get the ball to him. They want to use the footy. But I think in those big games, you've got to rely on your midfield to apply good pressure, not being able to come out the, the front of the stoppage and charge towards goals. That, that, that's got to be your number one rule is if, if Richmond win the footy, we've got to force them wide, okay? Put them under a lot of pressure. Don't allow them to run into green space and head towards a forward line. 
So I, I thought they got that wrong. And the, the number one thing with all defenders in these big matches, you've got to defend early. Give your give your opponent no space. Given Gary Ablett space, oh my goodness, he won't get it this week. He'll get you know broad. He'll probably play fairly negative on him because you, you just know he has ten touches. He becomes the best on the ground. So you cannot, as Jimmy said, you cannot allow someone who's one of the all time greats and a great decision maker and and puts the ball pretty much wherever the forwards want it. You cannot allow them to have easy access and just to float around the field like, oh, hang on, I don't have a player on me. Gary Ablett, <laughs> what would he be thinking? He'd be thinking, I don't have an opponent. <laughs> it's a prelim final. This is pretty good. So um, you got to be, you got to find someone else to try and free up, not someone when you're playing on a Gary Ablett. Yeah, the whole footy world would love to see him go out with a bang and have a big game Saturday night. What's he like off the field? We don't know a lot about him. Does he like having a beer? Is he good fun on a footy trip? Uh, no, he's not a big big drinker, a beer drinker, things like that. He's the most competitive human you'll come across, along with the likes of Steve Johnson and Paul Chapman, all those guys. But he'll he'll challenge you at anything. Everything is a contest. Loves his basketball, loves his American sports. You get into the change rooms, and it's like he's got more energy in the change rooms than he was out on the training track. It was... I can kick the footy into that bin before you. I bet you I can do that. I'll, I'll play you in basketball. I'll play you in cricket. He he just he just has boundless energy to compete all the time. He just he loves it. He loves having a laugh with teammates. He's just just been a great teammate. Well, for me for a long time, and for those guys who he's come back to at the Cats as well. Did he ever talk about his dad? Yeah, or he, you ask him about his dad. He still tells you openly his dad's the best player of all time, which is. <laughs> It's a great argument for that as well. Depends whether you think it's Lee Matthews or Wayne Carey or anybody else. Yeah, loves his dad, adores his dad. His dad used to pop into the rooms and, yeah, we used to go, that's Gary Ablett. Mm. Well, like, even when we are playing, we just finished playing a game and he'd be in uh, the change rooms and um, seeing uh, Gaz and Nathan when Nathan was playing there as well. And we'd be like, all the boys would be like, it's Gary Ablett. So Gary Ablett. <laughs> like, we were all starstruck. I, I used to play against Gary Ablett. That's how old... But he, towards the end of his career, and even when you're playing against him, you know, if you walk past, you'd always say, go easy on us, Gaz. You know, <laughs> you just had that type of respect because you knew he was an absolute freak of a player. And within a matter of four or five minutes, you know, he could put three goals on and, and turn the game or do something inspirational. But then Gary Ablett Jr., mate, what a what a player he has been. Unbelievable. Like he, He's formed there for a while when his body was fine, was th- there was no one better. Like you, I, I remember every time we'd come up against Gary Abbott Jr., it was like, he's going to get the ball. We just need to make sure he's getting it in spots where he can't be delivered inside 50. We need him to get it wide, give him space so whoever's playing on him, allow him to push down to the back line to be a link. Just try and stop him the best you can going forward. So... It was very different rules for a player like him. Now, the other talking point is going to be Patrick Dangerfield this weekend, playing in his first grand final. Croft, not dissimilar to you, he's doing it at the back end of his career. What would be going through his head this week? Do you think there's a bit more pressure on him than a lot of other players out there on Saturday night that have done it before? No, he'll just charge. That's what he does. He'll charge at the footy. He, um, we know he's marking the ball. We know he's kicking goals. We know he can play through the middle. So it'll be interesting to see the way that you know they allow him to to play the game. He'll knock blokes out of the way. That's just the way he plays. He's a superstar. He really is, just his consistency. But he's got a very different role, the amount of time that he's stayed forward and hasn't played through the midfield. So he's probably feeling like he could go into the midfield and play, you know, and and finish the season off really, really 
strong, but it's a bit of an advantage having him in the forward line too when you've got Rowan and, and you've got uh, Tom Hawkins. It's, it's pretty scary. It's pretty scary when you think about it, how quick Rowan is and what Dangerfield can do. If you can give them a bit of space one-on-one and then you give Tom Hawkins a bit of space one-on-one, it's pretty hard to stop. So the Essendon defenders, I mean the Essendon, the Richmond defenders, Essendon would love to be in a grand final, the Richmond defenders, their backsides would be twitching, I'll tell you right now, (laughs) one-on-one. And uh, Jimmy, one thing that still amazes me, Tom Hawkins, boundary throw-in, stoppage work. How many times have I told you? Oh, my goodness. On the weekend against the Brisbane Lions, (laughs) he just absolutely dominated virtually silver service to his on-ballers or he'd get the ball himself. And I'm just like, you get to a prelim, you do so much research, you know what's going to happen, and yet they can't stop him. He's just a freak. So the Richmond players are going to be extremely nervous in that. I have no doubt they're putting a lot of time and effort into making sure that they probably saturate. They have a lot of numbers around just making it Really hard to get that access towards goal. Where do we expect him to play most of the game? I thought he played a lot of time forward on Saturday night because they could afford that luxury. The game was basically won a long way from home, so they kept him up forward. I don't think it's going to be a lopsided game either way on Saturday night. I think it will be very much alive going into the final quarter. Do we expect to see him play more time in the middle or are they the most dangerous when they've got those two threats up forward? Oh, they're clearly the most dangerous when he's forward. You know, goals win your games and the threat and what it does is, Crawford was touching it, what it does for Hawkins matchup and what it does for Rowan and others matchup, having Dangerfield forward. And I'm not saying they are because I know Richmond fans get a little bit touchy, but it's their answer to when Martin, Lynch and Rewalt were forward. So when you have Rowan, um, Dangerfield, Hawkins, as a defensive group, you can't then peel off. You, you can't then go jump in front of that one space because who, who do you come off? So if you start to, you know, your good defender come off Dangerfield, he's too good. You can't leave him. Hawkins' man can't come off. Rowan's man, yeah, I'll start to come off. But we've seen from Gary Rowan, he can capitalise now in that Cats forward line where he probably couldn't do it when he was a swan. And the other forwards get up and out. So, you know, Gazza pushes up a bit higher. Uh, Myers gets up really high. So the others actually clear out. So it's really those three sort of who get the 50 to work in and they get separation and you know isolation from their direct opponent. But I'm with you. I think they'll probably give him a little bit more midfield time because of the importance and the fact he can get the Cats moving forward and play that territory game, which is really important against the Tigers. But I still think it's a 50-50 split at most. I still think he'll spend more time forward. Croft put away the board games. The AFL rolls on, and so does Tab's AFL Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. Well, here it is, the million-dollar question. Shane Crawford, who will win the 2020 grand final and why? It's difficult. It, it is. <laughs> it, it's very difficult. Oh, when I look at it, I'm thinking, oh, imagine if Dangerfield and Martin line up on each other in the middle at some stage and just take each other on. Probably the first bounce. Really. Yeah, how good would that be? Knowing that these two are going to go head to head, they're both in great form, and not only that, like, it's very rare that you have a grand final that you've got amazing key forwards like you know the Toms, Tom Lynch, Tom Hawkins. You got Jack Revolt in there. You got great captains. Imagine Joel Selwood centre bounce. Joel Selwood taking on Trent Cotchin. Are you still deciding as you're Dustin, making Dustin? Yeah, this? Dustin <laughs> taking on Paddy Dangerfield. I'm like, this is mouth watering stuff. 
I'm going to lean towards Richmond. And I know, and I've been saying Richmond aren't the side that they were last year. And it was pretty hard to be when they, you know, flog someone in a grand final like they did. But I just think they'll be brave enough to switch the ball and, and, and get the run to try and work through Geelong. It's going to be tough for them. And Geelong's defence holds up so well. But I, I reckon because there's a few older types down there, you've got to, you've got to make them run. You've got to go running and get on your bike. I just think last week's game against Port Adelaide, everyone's going, oh, they might be a bit tired, might have taken the edge off them. I, I think that's perfect preparation for Richmond, getting back onto a good surface. They've improved hunting the footy over the last few weeks. So has Geelong. Both sides going in to the finals had question marks around their stoppage work at times in patches. I'm leaning towards Richmond, but very much last, <laughs> like last week, I really think it's a line ball. I really do. So I think Richmond can win in an extremely close match. I think Shy Bolton yep. or Shane Edwards could win the Norm Smith medal. I'm with you with Bolton. I think he's going to have a big game as well. And Who's good last Richmond week? supporters, haven't they found a way just to love Ty Vickery because they got him with the draft <laughs> pick they got from Hawthorne for Ty Vickery. So <laughs> Hawthorne supporters, after so much success, that one might just make you cringe a little bit. Jimmy, I know you grew up barracking for Richmond, but you've got your Cats jumper on here. He How much the Cats game. buy <laughs> and who's going to win the Norm Smith? Well, I, I did go with the Cats a long way out, so I can't jump off. I just think they're well organised. They've got – I think they're a side that's got options – you know, within a game, they can change the speed of the game. They can go quick. They can go slow. They've also probably one of the only clubs that have got options for Richmond Stars. So if Martin gets away from College Jasney, they can try Stewart. They can try Blitzarves. They can try Henry. They've got a few different options, yep. which you, you just hope you don't going down to the third and fourth option because that means Dustin Martin's probably got five goals on the board already <laughs> and the game's over. But I just think that they've got the options to, to match it with Richmond. They can control the pace of the game. If they get a lead, they're mature enough to hold on to it. I always like the, the look of a defender for a Norm Smith medal. So I'm tipping the Cats. Bro, grand finals aren't normally close. I know we've had the, the West Coast Collingwood one that was close and some Sydney West Coast grand finals. But apart from that, sides, once they've sort of you know, hammer the nail in, it gets driven home, they, they go away with it. I think the Cats buy about three three goals. I know we're a shortened game, so that's the equivalent of probably about four or five. And look for, I'm going to go Tom Stewart or Mitch Duncan for the Norm Smith medal. Mitch Duncan, he's had a great season. He's been fantastic. He gets forgotten about. He'll be out on the wing. If the Cats are going well, he's probably had 25, 26. And, and if he's had that, Tom Hawkins will have four goals. Yeah, because that's all he Mitch kicks Mitch Duncan to. goes bang. Yeah. Straight. And Hawkins knows exactly where they're going, what's going on. So, um, yep. yeah. So, I just, I just think, I just sorry, Shane. I just think, yeah, you know, halfbacks tend to come really well in uh, Norm Smith voting. You know, argument for Hooley. You know, last two Richmond premierships, Johannesson, Hodgie, when he was playing at halfback there, they just seemed to poll really well in Norm Smith. I think, and, and Stuart last week had twenty six touches. Yeah. He was very very good, but but he'll defend. But as soon as soon as they bang, they go. The separation and and the way that they separate and keep the ball moving, it's. You know, they're crucial. So I think Jimmy's onto something there. If Richmond win, Dustin Martin will have three premierships. I dare say three Gary Ayres medals. He's probably already got that sewn up this year already. Maybe Dangerfield, the only danger, depending on who wins Saturday night. Brownlow medal. It'll probably be the Norm Smith medal. Possibly three Norm Smith medals. Does he come into the conversation of one of the best of all time, if that's the case? Well, he is. He's coming into the top ten already, isn't he? Well, definitely one of the, the best 
big game players ever, really, when you think about it. To, to play well, you know, and only the very best players voted the best on grounds in, you know, in big games and grand finals. So, um, oh, the record for itself, you know, you've got you to gotta actually put him right up there. Any other bets we should take? A first goal kicker or something funky? Oh, dude, that's oh. tough. Well, oh. probably last time Tom Lynch played Richmond, was it last time? Or, or no, no, it was the final last year, played on Harry Taylor, kick five. So maybe go with Tom, a bit like Port Adelaide. It was a beautiful mark, a contested mark he took. So maybe Tom Lynch to kick the first goal, just because he'll have that confidence up that he know that he can, if he's got that match up. Stagner last year, I had him, right? <laughs> I thought Rich were going to win last year, the grand final. I had him in a multi for a goal. He kicked five points. <laughs> Any time goal yeah. kicker, you nearly got there with <laughs> so, six behinds. <laughs> so I tell you what, it, it's a hard one picking goal kickers and first goal kickers, but if Richmond are to win, he's got to kick, he's got to be hitting the scoreboard. You know, those small forwards for Richmond are probably. Yes, the key forwards are important, but they're all going to contribute. You know, he might be one to kick a goal at some stage, although don't tell me he's going to kick another five points. <laughs> well, I actually was going to nominate him for first goal kicker on that story because you can just imagine the commentary, Bruce McAvaney kicked five points, didn't he, last year? <laughs> oh, and he's finally got one. Six times. Like, you can just imagine the commentary. So, yeah, he'd be rough for first goal kicker for Richmond and maybe um, – Gyron Myers, first goal kicker for, for the Cats. I'm just thinking both sides will be wanting to try and get across onto the dangerous big forwards and things like that, a little front and square goal for either side. Don't forget about Cam Guthrie. Had a really good year, plays through the middle, might get a job at times, but he'll still get lots of the footy. He'll be very good value. And the three Toms did it a few weeks ago, even though they weren't playing each other, but Tom Hawkins to kick a goal, Tom Lynch to kick a goal, Tom Stewart... 15, maybe 20-plus possessions. Might be a good crawl for the same game multi that we can find on the Tab app. Now, we've seen some magnificent grand finals throughout our time, and you guys have been a part of many of them, but we decided to go back and find one that you weren't a part of and you weren't emotionally invested in, but you really enjoyed for whatever reason. Jimmy, you can open the batting here. We'll play some audio after you. Tell us what grand final it is. Well, mine's a pretty recent one. Um, don't have can't go back too far. Had too many knocks to the head from playing. So one that I can remember, uh, West Coast v Collingwood, my, my big moment, oh. the, the Dom Sheed goal. It is everything you dream of, boys and girls who kick the footy. You do it in the backyard thousands of times. You do it with your mates. I can remember as a kid, you, know, you, you grab the footy, you throw it, and you go, ah, siren in the grand final, have a shot to win. And you aim for mum's washing or a gap in the tree <laughs> or, or something, trying to get it through the back door. You set up goals everywhere. You do it. I, I can't remember how many times I did it. And Dom Shea got to live it out. And it wasn't 10, 15 metres out. It wasn't even within the channel. It was from the pie stand with Collingwood supporters hanging off him. It wasn't a run around and snap bail out, you know, like, oh, if it misses, it was a tough shot. He kicked a drop punt and it did not look like at one stage missing. can win the grand final two minutes and just under massive 
Shade from the boundary. Needs to be inch perfect. He is. He's got the most impossible goal. Unbelievable, the most acute angle in footy. And Shade has kicked a remarkable grand final goal. Just extraordinary. Like, I've got yeah. goosebumps. The, the whole play as well, the build-up, and... Uh, it was the most perfect play, wasn't it? Yeah, Adam Simpson has actually described that as nearly every player involved that in that chain shouldn't have been on the field. He was trying to rotate them off, like Nathan Vardy should have been off. They were trying to get Ryan off. Um, it was, you know, McGovern shouldn't have been rolling up that, that far because Schofield had went back to cover his man. Everything that shouldn't have happened ended up happening, which ended up resulting in the goal. Uh, that, that's, yeah, just the most perfect lead-up, which... It's very rare in footy to have perfect play right down the field. And as Jimmy did say, the, the kick under enormous pressure, maybe that's why he kicked it because it's like, oh, probably no one's expecting me to kick this. I'll just go back and have a shot and see what we can do. A bit like Jack Nunes earlier this year, incredible goal against the Fremantle Dockers. But I reckon if you're ever going to win a grand final, that's the way you want to win. You, you want it to be an arm wrestle. You want it to be a fight to the end and then you want to just get your nose in front. I think it'd be pretty sweet. And um, I'm did sure... you just smirk and look at him when you said that, flashing back to no, 2008? No, no, no. <laughs> Small part? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> not at all. But I'm like, that's the way you want to win. You want to win. You want to have a, a real dogged contest. And that's why I think, and I'm hoping that Richmond and Geelong will be a real good contest and come down to the last couple of minutes. Well, apologies for Collingwood supporters for Jimmy's one there, but it was absolutely magnificent and very memorable. What about yourself, Croft? What did you well, come up with? Well, 2010, the drawn grand final. Look, St Kilda, this was their shot. You know, they they threw everything at Collingwood. The year before, obviously, grand final against the Cats, who bounced back from 208. And pretty much as soon as that game was done in 208, I knew Geelong were going to win the next year regardless. So, unfortunately for the Saints, they got Geelong on the rebound, and then the flow-on effect. The Saints gave everything against the Cats. They back up the next year. They uh, get themselves into a grand final. I still don't know if, for a fact, but by the sounds of it, there was a lot of injured players, so a lot having pain-killing injections for the Saints. So the thing that, yes, the ball doesn't bounce away, Stevie Milne, and we talk about what if that happened and, you know, what would the result be? Brennan Goddard taking a huge mark you know, to put the Saints right there. And it was just a, a wonderful contest because Collingwood were a very good side. And, you know, obviously the siren went, just everyone not knowing what to do. What do we do? And not only that, from a pl- past player, le- that week is like you're just building and waiting for the grand final and then you go, oh, next week, clear the boards. I need to recover from a football year. No, everyone's back to work. We're back on. We've got a whole another week to, to work through. But I really just felt for both sides because you want a result. Like, if you're going to play in a grand final, you need a result. And I knew the next week, Saints are cooked. They're gone. Because when you're having painkilling injections and it's a last resort and you throw everything into a grand final, if we if we drew with Geelong in 208, we had no chance of winning the next week. Absolutely no chance because I, I remember walking into the physio room and there's 16 painkilling injections for all different players lined up. Some were having them, some weren't having them, but it was just in case situations evolved throughout that day. And so I, you'd hear of rumours from a, a St Kilda point of view, as a lot of players are just getting to the line for the grand final. And then to back up the next week 
And, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. So I sort of knew that their chances were pretty much done and dusted, especially against the Collingwood who were still fit and really healthy. But that was just you know, one of the, the great grand finals and I'm sure it haunts those Saints secure supporters to now. You know, they still haven't been able to to win a grand final. We do hope they can get there. We really do. We want them to uh, to taste that because it'll be great for all those supporters and it'll hopefully wipe those memories. But what a great grand final. What a great contest. You can get this kick. Ray belts it forward. Swan chasing Hayes. Montagna kicks to 20 metres. Anything will do for the Saints. Kaczynski couldn't quite. O'Brien, Milne, still Milne. Johnson hanging on hard. Well done. Boston in dispute. Out to shore. We had a draw in 1948 and a draw in 1977. Graham hard at it. Blair. And the it's a short thing. Huge play by Graham. He left his opponent, McCaffrey, to make the outnumber. If the ball went over the top, the pines are away. All St Kilda were trying to do was force it through. Yeah, that 30 metres out. Great defence by Collingwood. Have we ever spent two hours at the MCG like this before? I don't think so, Bruce. Montagna. Kicks inside the 50. Punched out. Pendlebury's over the football. Down to 15 seconds. Collingwood, they controlling the ball. Thomas to the wing. Jolly. Knocked away by Blake. There it is. One last clearance, one last chance. Can somebody get a clear ball here and kick it long and hard? Goddard, the tap. Del Santo. It's going to be a draw. It's unbelievable. But it's happened. You get the goosebumps here in that too, don't you? Just incredible. It's well, it's not going to happen these days. We go to extra time now, which is good. There's every chance Richmond and Geelong could be a draw. Do you think it is good? I kind of like the replay. You, you want no the week? No, mm. it's it's such a letdown the following week. It really is because you and know that, was that you've flat the week after yeah, too, the you, whole you game. Know, you know you've thrown everything. Both sides have just got themselves to that finish line, trying to to gather one more huge effort, and then you got to do it all again. You know, so. Oh, yeah, I felt for both sides because you want a result. Well, I felt the for the Saints. Great game like I felt that. like the Pies got a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, we well, got to take your chances <laughs> when they present themselves and then obviously the next week recovered really well and and they were just dominant. So it's, it's funny like that. You can have a really great game here and then the following week, similar sides. Um, I don't think there was too many changes and yet there can be a – a huge margin. So uh, it just shows you that St Kilda had nothing left. You know, they had a lot of wounded guys who just tried to mentally get themselves across the line and just shows you you can't do that in grand finals. You can't take injured players in and, yeah, I just felt for both teams that we had a draw and we've got to do it all again. For mine, I'm going back to 2005. The South Melbourne slash Sydney Swans hadn't won a premiership in 72 years. The most previous before that was back in 1933. Their supporters had been through so much heartache. The Swans relocating and basically being a struggling team for so very long. And then that magical day against the West Coast Eagles, the drought broke. Sydney by four. Ty Ginelli did it well. Saw the option in the pocket. Went for it. Leo Barry. Slow it down. So Leo Barry in the back pocket. 
Heads along the boundary line. Oh, good mark by Cox. Cox throws it onto the left. One last roll of the dice for the Great song, too. It is a good song. It was good. No, we enjoyed that. Like, you know, we love seeing teams that haven't been there, you know, have success. And, yeah, it was great to see those grand finals against the West Coast Eagles, you know, for a couple of years in a row. It was some incredible games, some really tight games. And some teams you just match up really well against. And it used to be Hawthorne and Geelong, you know, that would match up really, really well, regardless of where teams were on the ladder. And through those years, you know, the Sydney Swans, although the Sydney Swans were tough against everyone because they just play that real man-on-man style of footy and you just had to work and it would never be a huge margin, but it was it was great to see. Very memorable indeed. Well, hopefully we've got a big one Saturday night. It's been a great year. I've loved chatting to you blokes. Before we wrap up, though, we've got to put Jim under oh, the more. microscope. Oh. Because more trouble at GWS. Jeremy Cameron, the reigning Coleman medalist. Oh, no. He might be going to the Cattery. What is going on in the giant land? Uh, uh, Jeremy's requested uh, a trade. Will exercise his restricted free agency. Uh, He's nominated Geelong as his preferred club. But there's a lot of water to go under the bridge. We're, uh, as a Giants, highly likely to match because the compensation for for Jeremy would be one first-round pick. And I think we all agree that... He's probably worth more than just one first-round pick. So just for people who are unaware, restricted free agency, Giants are able to match the offer, and people go, well, why don't the Cats just make it a really heavy front-ended and blow the Giants out of the water? It doesn't work that way. It is actually the average of the contract. So say, for example, Jeremy Cameron gets offered five years, three and a half million from the Cats. If the Cats have got space, they'll go, we'll just front-end it and blow the Giants out and say, here, take two million in the first year. That doesn't matter. It just means the Giants has to pay just the 700 750 across the, the life of the deal. It's only the total value average. Does that make it a bit yep. clearer? Force it into a trade and then um, get what's best for the Giants. So you anticipate you'll be trading to Geelong? Well, he's nominated Geelong, and so they'd be the first port of port of call. Yeah, Clearly, Geelong have got to come up with something. Now, be unfortunate for some Geelong players who could be playing in a grand final, winning a premiership, and might be wearing Giants jumpers next Which year. Which ones? Which ones do you want? Well, the, <laughs> the, the obvious thing for the, for the Giants is we know how experienced the Cats list is. Well, they're still super talented, but they're a very experienced list. Now, that's not going to help the Giants. Getting Like even Cam Guthrie's 28-29, Menegola's 28-29, all the others who are really talented are, are above 30. So that leaves the young group of, you know, Parfit, Radaglia, Sam Simpson, Henry and a, a couple of others who are in that young age bracket. I'm not, I'm not saying we, we want those in particular, but that's just looking yep. straight at Geelong's list. So with Jeremy Cameron and your involvement with the Giants, did he ever ask you about Geelong? Did he ever ask you about the football club? Tell uh, me about the football club Geelong. Is it a great club? What did you love about it? No, he, he's aware He's aware of Geelong. They, they obviously put on a good presentation for him, sold him a, a good story, a good package of where you play, where you live, um, how close it is back to his hometown, which um, it's a four-hour drive, but if you got on a plane from Sydney and flew to Mount Gambier, it's probably actually closer to his hometown. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, it's conveniently halfway, but uh, his hometown to, to Adelaide too. So just interesting 
So, so, so what about the Giants? So you, you've got a few that have, are leaving. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people going, oh, they're questioning the culture. I, you know, by looking at the players and you see the tightness, yes, you can have players that move all the time. And, and unfortunately, it's been the case for the Giants the whole way through because yep. you're highly touted players. A lot of them are from Victoria. And, you know, I, I know for a fact that a lot of the clubs would interview these Giants players knowing they're going to end up going being drafted to the Giants. But they would be going, oh, by the way, if you ever want to come back, We've got this, and we would love to have you involved here, and we, this is what we do really well. So these players are going off to start their careers with the, the Giants, yet in the back of their head they know they've got an option if they ever want to return. So you, you'd think about that a lot. Um, so it makes it very, very hard, especially from a Giants point of view. I, I don't think they've got a bad culture. I think you can see that there's a lot of tight-knit players that have shared a lot of love together and a lot of time together. But, you know, I, I suppose it just after a while yeah. – you just want to try something different. Yeah, and that's the nature of where the Giants at as, as a club, but also location. Like, this is not a whinge or a complaint. It's just the reality of it, and it's it's probably our unique thing that we have to deal with, probably similar to the Gold Coast. All clubs have their unique things or hurdles they have to get over retaining players or the parameters they work in. Ours is the fact that we're in Sydney, like the Swans. 700000 for Jeremy Cameron in Sydney compared to 700000 in Geelong. It goes a lot further in Geelong. That's not... You know, making up anything, uh, that, that's pretty clear cut. You know, you've got the infrastructure around in Victoria and things like that. That's, you know, football's been there for over 150 years. You're always going to be fighting against that. The draft concessions we had, it's great. We've had so many turn out to be good players. So we've actually picked some good players in the draft in, in our short lifespan, but that means you've got to pay for them and you have to overpay some of them to stay. But, you know, th- there's not much else we can do about it. Hopefully we hang on to all the ones we want. We'd love to keep them all, but you, you just can't. He wants to go to Geelong, but what's stopping you maybe trading to the Adelaide Crows or something who might be able to make a much more appealing offer to the Giants? But there's nothing if if we match the offer. It it gets forced into a trade scenario. It just becomes like any other trade. So it's a foregone conclusion you'll be at Geelong next season? Well, we'd like like to do that because he's nominated Geelong and Geelong are keen on receiving him. Geelong are pretty good at dealing and, yeah. the, the, you know, like some clubs can But from the Giants' a lot point of, games, of view, what's, what, I mean, yes, he wants to go to Geelong, yeah, but all, all why those, do you have to make it happen? All we have to do is what's in the best interest of the Giants. Yeah, and trading him to Geelong might not be that. Yeah, but look, Ge- Geelong are as... I think they're, cross, fair, they, yeah, they're very fair, fair the way they do things, Geelong, and, and they, don't, I don't, they don't muck around, you know. There's, I think there's a lot of clubs that muck around and... And, you know, I don't know if it's it's mine's bigger than yours scenario. You know, I, <laughs> no. I don't know what it is, but Geelong get things done. They don't mess around. They just want to get on with it. This is who we want. So and Geelong have they'll got just a- make it happen. And Geelong have got assets. They've got three first-round picks. They've also got some young talent there as well. So I can't see why the deal wouldn't wouldn't get done. It's I hear people talking going, you can have that player and that player and that player. Okay, do you understand that we actually watch the football as well at the Giants? Yeah. We're, we're, it's like, you know, Gold Coast there for a couple of years. People go, oh, you can take all our scraps, all the guys we're going to delist, and we'll take your best player. Like, we're, we're going to accept what's a fair deal for Jeremy Cameron. We're not just taking, oh, you can just have that and that and go away. So, so what about the Giants when they say, okay, their premiership window is over? Surely with the talent that you have there, yes, you're losing some great talent. Yep. You look at Geelong, Tim Kelly. Yeah, he went. You know, best and fairest and second in the best and fairest as well. Uh, he went when Buddy Franklin left. Gary Ablett. Hawthorne when Gary Ablett left Geelong one flag. So, you know, virtually the next year. So you can 
fix things. And the biggest problem with the Giants this year was the midfield not connecting with the forward and yep. whether or not it was the game style or the ball movement quick enough. So, yes, you're going to lose a couple of players, but there's so much talent on that list. So mm. it's a matter of, yes, we've mm. still got the talent. People are saying, oh, your premiership window's over. It's definitely not over if you no. can get your game style going properly. Uh, spot on, Shane. And it's, there's an opportunity there. And that's what you've got to see it as. Does it, you know, can we reshape our forward line? We went and got you know, the mastermind Stevie Johnson across my old teammate, across from the Swans, who knows forward craft better than most and then how to set that up. Does it make us unpredictable going forward? That, that's what we've got to look at. The opportunity. You can rattle off the names. You said the talents there. Cornelio Kelly, the two Greens, you know, young Tom Green, Toby Green, Haynes. Yeah, Phil Davis is still a very good defender. Whitfield. You're going to get Proust in, big Proust. Try and get big Braden Proust. Which I think is great because you can just have that huge physical presence. I know you've had Mumford, but this guy's a man mountain. He's enormous. And he's going to get his hands on it. And you know what? That's all you need to do. You don't need to do anything else. Just compete and hit it to advantage. They're back in the ball game. Yep. So there's opportunity there. Final question. <laughs> what odds <laughs> yeah, in 2021... Jimmy Bartel coaching at AFL level. <laughs> well, you're the market city. What about North Melbourne? North Melbourne. Nah. They, they, they're seriously looking for a coach at the moment? No, I think they're, they've got their stuff, and we'd love to see Reshaw back at uh, North Melbourne. You don't become a senior coach that quickly without having one talent to coach, the X's and O's, as Ross Lyon calls it, but also the ability to connect with people. So hopefully Reshaw is back sooner than we think. I don't think he'll be coaching in 2021. No, but I hope he's involved with North Melbourne in some capacity. He's Absolutely. Just, he's too good of a talent. But to answer your silly question, I, I'm i not the one making the odds. You're Nick Quinn. You get your hair cut and coloured weekly to tell people <laughs> the odds. So why are you asking me? Why are you actually putting yourself out of a job? Do you, do you, do you want to coach in 2021? <laughs> no, well, hang on, answer your own question. So to get in the coaching <laughs> path that you want to go down, you'd have to go to an assistant coach first, and you don't want to do that. You just want the number one job straight up. <laughs> yeah, but do, do you know what? Like, we, we think you need to go and be an assistant, okay? Like, we think that because some players have been picked, you know, former players who've come in as a coach straight away, and it hasn't worked. Doesn't mean it's not going to work. Yep. It's just the club being brave enough and having the balls to go, nah, we believe in this person. Surround yourself with the right people. You can't tell me Jimmy Partells can't put an amazing team together, you know, with his knowledge and his playing uh, background that can't get out there and run a good club to have success from an on-field point of view. I just think it's the brave organisation that makes that call. Could be Melbourne. Could be, or it couldn't be. There we go. There's your headline. <laughs> Jimmy Bartel to coach <laughs> Melbourne. You need, you need. Which club are you going to follow next year, by the way? There's, there's a big question. <laughs> he doesn't jump. He, he does, year, does yeah, he? He's a supporter. He's been a Melbourne supporter. And quite convenient in the last three years, he's barracked for Richmond. <laughs> well, I thought he was just a Richmond supporter. That nah, is unbelievable. Right. He doesn't. Hey, hey, hey. We, all us three started yes. barracking for Richmond. I'm the only one still riding the train. Well, you two jumped. It's a bit hard when, when you, you play against for, them. You've got to try and hate them. <laughs> You deliberately, when they were so bad when we used to play against them, you used to deliberately let them get the footy just to help them get on the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> Our times have changed quite incredible. Gents, it's been great fun in 2020. Shane and Jimmy, thanks very much. Thanks, Quinny. And fun as you've been listening to a magnificent edition of Tabs Inside 50. 